Hello and welcome back to the OTRS podcast. My name is Melina Wilson and I am with the PR team here at OTRS. And today we're going to be talking about how IT needs are changing in education. And I'm really excited because today we have Jeff May on the podcast. He is the director of Sales Americas at OTRS. And uh, let's dive into this. So Jeff, tell me a little bit about yourself and your professional background. Hey, Melina. Uh, thanks so much for uh, asking. Uh, pleasure to uh, speak to you. Uh, uh, my name is Jeffrey May. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the uh, director of sales at uh, OTRS. Yeah, a quick bit about me from my professional background and how it is that I came to OTRS and sales. Uh, I, don't know, I, I guess I imagine that like many others who share the, the sales profession, I never uh, could have possibly imagined that my career path would uh, would lead me here. I don't think that uh, any child growing up has that, you know, epiphany of, aha, I'm, I'm going to be a salesperson when I grow up. <laughs> so so, so, how did I get here? Well, after graduating high school, I enlisted in the military. Uh, I served first as a U.S. Marine, and then I did a tour in the U.S. Army. I guess you could say I've always had a strong desire to help others, and uh, I think that it was really during that time in the military service, particularly when we did some uh, humanitarian operations that just, you know, kind of fueled that passion to be uh, a problem solver. Upon my honorable discharge from military service in uh, 1988, uh, I almost immediately gravitated towards uh, towards sales again. This this idea of being a, a problem solver, finding people's needs and, and uh, a best solution to fit those needs. Uh, I've had a number of sales roles over the past 20 years or so. The majority of that time has been spent within the IT industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to now call OTRS my home. That sounds like a really cool winding path, I guess. And you find that a lot of times as far as uh, salespeople go. You're totally right that that's not necessarily the top thing that people always think of when they're a kid growing up. Yet here we are. So I guess speaking of growing up, traditional youth schools, let's start there as far as IT needs and how they're changing. So I don't know about you, but classrooms are really different than what I grew up with. You know, we had like the overhead projector and they'd like wheel in the really big chunky TV on a cart if we wanted to watch a video. And now they have all kinds of technology. So can you maybe give us a quick little rundown of how the average classroom uses technology these days? Sure, sure. Well, uh, uh, I'm laughing here at the risk of dating myself. I also remember those days of the uh, the clunky overhead projectors uh, and the TV being wheeled in <laughs> on that big black cart. Uh, I remember how excited I'd get, you know, and how my classmates would get when the TV rolled in because that meant that, oh, phew, there's not going to be another uh, boring lecture today. Instead, we're going to get to kind of gather around in a semicircle for, for movie time. Gone are those days. Uh, today's teachers, for example, while we're talking about the boxy TVs, today's schools obviously have these, you know, these wall-mounted flat screens that I imagine every modern home has that are they're large enough and they're vibrant enough to where the uh, the lesson plan can be seen and heard by everybody, including those, you know, all the way at the back of the classroom. A lot of these displays are also going to be interactive. So uh, by that, I mean that the teacher can wirelessly uh, cast content 
from their laptop or even from their mobile phone uh, directly onto the screen and they can manipulate that content uh, you know by dragging and dropping a finger across the screen uh, writing directly onto the screen via a digital pen and so forth another way that the modern classroom has changed today's students you know they're typically going to have access to their own personal uh, school assigned laptop and or a mobile tablet such as an iPad and there's no need uh, for those slow dial-up connections uh, in the computer lab as modern classrooms are now Wi-Fi enabled another change that I've seen uh, apps uh, apps in the classroom these digital dashboards that a teacher can use to regulate the hallway traffic of students coming in and out of the room so imagine that uh, the the teacher from their computer can assign a, a hall pass a virtual hall pass to a student requesting a bathroom break just as an example if the application notices that uh, let's say Johnny in classroom 3001 is regularly taking breaks at 12:15 on Tuesdays and Thursdays and that's the same time that Sarah in classroom 3003 is also taking a break it will alert the uh, the responsible teachers in those rooms of that pattern uh, so that they can uh, they can act accordingly what else have we seen apart from these potential romantic encounters uh, there's applications for managing school dismissals. So if you imagine a Uber style application in which the teacher can track the arrival of the uh, the coming parent on this mobile app. Parent also has that app uh, obviously installed in their mobile phone in real time. The safety and security benefits to make sure that the student is being um, is being collected by the correct parent. Let's not forget about physical security. Today's educators do have to deal with the unfortunate reality that there's been an uptick in security-related incidents. Uh, it may not be possible, of course, to completely eliminate the occurrence of these incidents, but uh, there is powerful software available to educators to monitor the students' online uh, activity, uh, which is a preventative measure to uh, detect potentially troubling behavior in students, say in the form of online uh, online searches, and uh, prevent negative behavior before it manifests itself into a threat, whether that be you know self harm or harm inflicted upon others. And in the event of a threat such as an active shooter event, there are applications out there that will automatically lock down the classroom and also simultaneously notify the authorities and parents. Uh, via their mobile apps and this is just scratching the surface absolutely i mean i i think that was a great rundown as far as it's pretty evident that there's technology all over the place it's not just in you know the smart boards and the tablets it's every aspect i mean i can't even fathom having an app for that when i was a kid you know what i mean like it's it's a totally different world and then i guess speaking of a, a brand new world the pandemic has obviously caused a little bit of chaos as far as our school systems go. School systems across the whole world, basically. Before the pandemic, what was the role of IT support in schools? Great question. Well, I've never worked in IT uh, support myself, but I do in my day-to-day -day speak with IT professionals. And what they tell me is that pre-pandemic, the typical daily tasks would involve, say, installing hardware, software, other tools and equipment for the school's various computer systems. Uh, this would also include the troubleshooting of any problems. Pretty mundane work. 
And then obviously COVID kind of changed things. Can you talk maybe a little bit about how the IT professional's role became even more important during the pandemic? Just as uh, things have changed in the modern classroom, you can also expect that the IT professional's role has also drastically changed. Let's just take the rise of video conferencing over tools such as uh, Zoom and and Microsoft Teams as as an example. At the start of 2019, so just before the outbreak, 10 million people in the United States were attending meetings on Zoom alone. By May of 2020, so right where we're at the, the height of the coronavirus pandemic, usage had tripled to nearly 30 million users. Again, just that one tool. As you can imagine, teachers and students who were unfamiliar with these types of tools, uh, they scrambled to learn how to use these various portals, placing an unexpected burden on the IT staff to implement and maintain those systems, as well as instructing the students and the faculty in their use. I would also say that today's IT professional is in a situation where they frankly have to do more with less. IT professionals are telling me that they found themselves where they have to work with a threadbare budget. Just as in the business world, they've been affected by staff losses due to illness, as well as those who left the industry altogether during what we're now referring to, at least in the U.S., as the Great Resignation. The result has been an IT staff that's frankly found itself unexpectedly overworked. If we're talking about student engagement, uh, before the pandemic, IT professionals and educators found themselves struggling to to keep students engaged within the classroom. Today's student is frankly faced with a torrent of distractions, and uh, there's plenty of research that suggests that uh, students' attention spans are growing ever shorter. I recently attended an education technology conference in Orlando, and two of the biggest buzzwords that I heard being spoken about by the IT professionals in attendance were the concept of gamification and classroom management software. Gamification, for those unfamiliar, it refers to leveraging gaming uh, mechanics in the classroom to make learning more fun and competitive. Examples would be digital puzzles and other games that the, uh, the teacher will implement to promote critical thinking. Classroom management software or uh, student monitoring software, as its name implies, is another tool that's leveraged to help eliminate these classroom distractions, whether that be a student who is distracted by social media and or inappropriate websites, uh, you know, you kind of get the picture. This has been a real challenge for today's educator as these students find themselves not only at the risk of being distracted, but targeted in some cases by online criminals, cyber bullies, and, and worse. And so the goal of these classroom management software applications, it's to allow the teacher to take back control of the classroom. They can, for example, uh, remotely shut down a student's device or monitor the traffic uh, of the student. And then finally, I would say that this software does have a positive benefit as far as allowing the teacher to discreetly provide one-on-one assistance to the students. And so uh, that's just a, a short list of ways that these IT professionals are keeping a vigilant eye for solutions which will drive engagement, whether that classroom environment be on-site or remote, as a lot of students find themselves now. I can't even imagine being an IT professional. You know, you think you sign up for a job where, okay, you know, I'll I'll make sure that the teachers have what they need and offer a little bit of support. And then all of a sudden, you're responsible for basically running an entirely remote school. 
that had to be incredibly overwhelming for just about everyone in that profession. I mean, trying to offer support. If you think about each student at home using a laptop, they're trying to download a program and all that. Having things just funneled over to IT, I I can't even imagine how difficult that must have been. Building off of that, what do you think the impact of the pandemic has been on students and maybe how they use technology? You touched on that a little bit. Sure, sure. I think that the pandemic really caught everyone off guard. You know, in the early days of the pandemic, what we heard uh, on the news is that, you know, the schools wouldn't close. And then uh, once the decision was made to start closing schools, we were told that they would only be closed maybe for a few weeks and then a few weeks, yeah, you know, drug yeah. into months and, and, you know, over a year. And as it relates to, to teachers, uh, you know, I think they really found themselves in a position where they they struggled to provide that one-on-one support that you could provide in the classroom. Both the students and the teachers are forced again to learn how to use this new technology out of necessity over in-person instruction because it wasn't safe to provide that face-to-face. And so in a way, I guess you could say that both students and teachers found themselves in a, an awkward situation where they had to teach themselves. Definitely. It was unfortunate for just about everyone, particularly for students who learn best, a little bit more hands-on and things like that. All of a sudden, that wasn't an option. So I think everybody was just sort of trying to adapt and do their best. And fortunately, at least in the most part, schools have now transitioned back to in-person learning. So what are we seeing as far as technology? Like, how have the IT needs changed? Sure, sure. Well, let me say that uh, as a, a parent of two teenagers, I, for one, am happy that the students are back <laughs> in the classroom. <laughs> I, I bet. Uh, but yet I digress. There's a lot of interesting surveys that have indicated that students have fallen behind in math and reading compared to students in previous years. And now educators are scrambling to catch back up after so much disruption. An interesting quote that I read from a well-known child psychologist, Susan Pinker, she says that there's more biochemical bang for the buck during face-to-face contact because it offers a richer stream of social signals. And I agree with that. One solution that I've seen is uh, the smart AV systems. And then I would also say that it's no secret that before the pandemic, schools and comparatively underfunded districts, particularly those in, in rural and low-income areas, faced a challenge in which they, um, you know, they simply lacked the funding to compete with regards to technology against schools in, let's say, more affluent areas. Passionate educators have done their best to close that technology gap, you know, with creative, out-of-the-box ideas to keep the students engaged in the classroom. But I feel that the pandemic really shone this fresh light on that disparity. And, you know, I think for better or worse, it's safe to say that remote learning, this distant learning is is here to stay. And school districts in these areas have really had to reevaluate their investment uh, in their IT infrastructure to make sure that we're servicing those students who either can't or won't be able to attend the classes in person. So with all of those new demands and obviously the growing need for technology, can you talk a little bit about what changes school systems are making to IT service management? Well, 
Regardless of whether we're talking, uh, you know, the public or the private sector, if there is one complaint that I've heard more than any other from uh, frustrated IT leaders, it's that, again, there's just not enough funding or uh, even personnel, as we talked about earlier, to address all of those needs. One way that I have seen IT leaders looking to improve their situation and making sure that they're getting the most use out of their limited budgets is by implementing a proven IT framework such as ITIL. For those who might not be familiar with ITIL, uh, ITIL is short for Information Technology Infrastructure Library, which you can think of as a set of guidelines and best practices to guide IT teams through certain IT implementations and IT-related processes. There's a, a ton of reasons why a, uh, an organization might want to implement ITIL. I would say just some of the key benefits would be an increase in the productivity of the faculty and the students. You know, when there is a reduced number of uh, service-related issues resulting from better IT service management capabilities and there's a faster resolution time of the incidents that these IT teams face that do occur, there's going to naturally be a higher availability of that technology available to the students and the teachers. ITIL can also help to reduce operational costs uh, and improve efficiency. So talking about the reduced number of incidents, if there is a reduced number of incidents that are distracting the IT team, they can obviously get more done in their working day. The benefit is going to be to the students because when the IT professional has reduced downtime, that's going to give them better time and availability to, to the faculty to teach them on new technology that's going to enhance learning and also give guidance to the educators and how they might make better use of the technology that they do have. Another example would be is, let's say we find uh, while running a report that it takes the IT technician an average of one hour a day to complete some mundane tasks such as performing password resets. Hey, you know, I've locked myself out of my computer. How do I reset my password? I can't get the printer to work. IT leadership might consider investing in the implementation of a process such as a, a self-service password reset process. So this will automate the process and allow the technician to focus on his or her core competencies. Absolutely. And then all of these new technologies and the needs for service management, it doesn't just impact lower level or elementary or middle or high schools. It impacts a lot at the university level. Like obviously universities and other higher education school environments were impacted by the pandemic. And so what are some of the trends that we're seeing as far as those establishments go? Oh, you've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. I recently saw a uh, study from Politico that said that students, you know, they now feel like technology has become a basic need, if you will. I'm kind of a, imagining Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And in particular, I'm talking about access to reliable high-speed internet of course, you know, public Wi-Fi is going to be available in the university, but if a student has to take a test, for example, from the parking lot or at their local Starbucks uh, just to access reliable Wi-Fi, then that's going to create a problem. There's also been a de-emphasis on standardized testing. So in the U.S., I know that hundreds of colleges for the first time have admitted a freshman class without requiring uh, SAT or ACT scores, which has the, the benefit of uh, 
opening admissions to uh, the most selective colleges to more low income or lower privileged students, if you will. And if I can just touch upon the budgets again, this working with a tight budget. When I'm talking with IT directors at universities, they're telling me that they're suffering not only from a lack of enrollment, but they've also taken some losses as far as partial refunds, which were given back to students who didn't attend or having to reimburse room and board. And then you've also got lost auxiliary revenue, things we don't even think about, such as the money generated from parking fees, uh, dining outlet sales, book sales, uh, you know, et cetera. I think that these revenue constraints are at least partly responsible for the recent surge in interest uh, that I've seen from IT professionals, again, to implement the structured framework of best practices so they can maximize the efficiency of their teams. Yeah, you're right. There's a, there's a lot that you wouldn't necessarily think of right away as far as the impact of remote learning and things like that, like the the parking fees, the money generated from that. That's a very good point that I hadn't thought of at all. It goes so much further than just, oh, you're going to be learning from home now. There is so many more implications. And that said, what can IT professionals who work in a university or higher education system maybe expect in the coming years? Obviously, we, we never really know what the future holds. We obviously did not see the pandemic coming, but do you have any predictions? That's a good question. I think it's impossible to overstate the importance that advances in uh, AI or artificial intelligence are going to have going forward. I recently read a report, I believe it was from Stanford University, in which they found that advances in natural language processing, which if you're not familiar with that, it's uh, it basically refers to a computer program's ability to understand uh, written and spoken human language. And uh, they found that it had advanced so rapidly that technical advances that they've already outpaced benchmarks to, to test for them. And, uh, and so just some of the ways that AI can be used in the classroom would be automatic grading uh, solutions, for example, to the teacher, library services, student information systems, and even support for those with uh, disabilities. I think that that's the future and every organization, large and small, is, is trying to find out how can they better harness the power of uh, AI. You know, we've touched on a lot of different aspects as far as technology and schools and the pandemic. But before we wrap things up, do you have anything else that you'd like to add or throw in? Sure, sure. Well, it used to be that a school or a district could get by, you know, on relying on a system of emails and spreadsheets and post-it notes within the IT department to track and respond to incidents. But more and more the refrain that I'm hearing is this system, it simply isn't sustainable. And now it isn't a matter of if, but when their organizations will have to embrace the use of uh, some type of IT service management solution. You know, now for some institutions, particularly those with a large budget, say a larger university and an appropriate number of resources, they may opt to develop their own proprietary system for tracking and responding to incidents. But for the overwhelming majority of these teams, I think that they're going to implement a proven ITSM solution, which if you'll allow me a, a shameless plug, you can find within a tool like OTRS. For more than 20 years, I know that school districts and institutions of learning have been using a tool like OTRS to better manage that response to incidents, automate recurring processes, 
improve their reporting capabilities and uh, enhance communication amongst their internal and external customers. And heck, I want to say we're we're installed in over 200 organizations worldwide, including many Fortune 500 companies. So if your listeners are interested in learning how an OTRS implementation might immediately improve the efficiency of their teams, I would invite them to certainly uh, check out our website at OTRS.com. Or uh, you can visit OTRS via your uh, favorite social media channel, and uh, we'll be happy to help. Absolutely. I think I think Jeff just summed it up perfectly. So check out our website, and don't forget to tune in for another episode of our OTRS podcast coming at you soon. Thanks so much for listening.